2: Over 7 million
0: different animals inhabit our planet. I think one of the things we should do is kind of describe for the listeners more specifics about the sperm whale, what it looks like. I mean, very unique for a whale.
1: That's That's... where I fell in love.
0: What can they teach us?
1: So studies have shown that nutrients in sperm whale poop help stimulate growth of phytoplankton.
0: Many species are in crisis and need
2: your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome
0: to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris.
1: And I'm Angie. That was me saying hello and whale talk.
0: <laughs> I was like, what alien am I talking to? <laughs> it's like yes, Morse code. it
1: is like Morse code. It's some clicks from sperm whales. And you're my dear friend. And just like a sperm whale, I would have a way to say hello to you, basically, as, some, uh, as someone that I recognize.
0: Yeah, they are. This is going to be an amazing episode on an amazing creature deep in the oceans, All over the world, it's a beloved whale species, the sperm whale. And Angie, I just got to say, I love doing ocean species. I mean, it just seems like, I mean, I love all the species we cover. And obviously, we learned something really cool about each one. But I just get excited about the ocean. I don't know. Maybe it's because we've studied mammals, land mammals our whole career. And now it's like we get to study some marine mammals or animals. You're
1: really onto something because just a couple hours ago, as I was finishing up prepping for this, I kept telling John my husband sperm whales are so cool. They I I had no idea they are so cool. I just can't wait to I can't wait to talk to Chris about them tonight. Uh, and and he's just kind of like, "Yeah, of course they're cool." But I'm like, "No, no, I mean they're really their physiology <laughs> yeah. is just incredible and they're humongous mm-hmm. and they have teeth and they mm-hmm. hunt squid and mm-hmm. they go down way 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 deep where people don't even mm-hmm. go, submarines don't even go." Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, it's just so fascinating. I'm in love with the oceans. I've always had been. I'm a cancer, a water sign, so it all makes perfect sense.
0: No, it does. It does. There These ones were special to, to to do some research on and look at and learn about cuz I think a lot of it is they're just misunderstood, you know. And we're going to talk about it at the end, but kind of talking about the story of Moby Dick, one of the most famous books ever written way back when in the 1800s, Herman Herman Melville writing about this great white whale. So I one of the things I wanted to learn about was, you know, is that based on reality? You know, are they, you know, could they do what they did? So anyways, at the end, I'll I'll get to it because we want to really more talk about this this whale's natural history, its physiology, behavior, all that stuff.
1: Definitely the behavior. It's super rad. Mm -hmm. It's amazing.
0: So Angie, this is a tooth whale. It's the largest predator in the sea
1: today. Yes, that's... yeah, I I just can't get over that. And when we get to nutrition and talk about the, f- the food they eat and how they hunt, oh, it's just incredible. And I think that's what I really, me being super into hunting behavior this season, I think that's what 2019 has been for me, talking about wild dogs and wolves and all this cooperative hunting of these apex predators and, then, mm-hmm. of course, great whites. So, yeah, it's, it's, I'm learning a lot and loving it and – they are incredible.
0: Oh, they are, and then, then they have this this crazy name, sperm whale. So
1: it's a little off putting. <laughs> um, it, <yeah>. It's different <laughs> for sure. It and is, I, until I started researching more, I, I guess i never gave it really much thought as why they are called sperm whales. Uh, I mean, obviously I know what sperm is. I just didn't mm-hmm. know if it had to do something with yeah physiological adaption that they had because they were marine mm-hmm. mammals and they did such deep diving. Uh, it would have been fun for me to quiz myself before I actually did the research.
0: Right, 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 right. And we'll talk about it, but it's, it's really named after their spermaceti organ, which is in the head. It has nothing to do with reproduction at all. Right. And yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it. That's, we'll that's about it super fascinating. A, a fun fact. I, and I just got to throw it out there. Cause as we talk about them, do you know, they actually have the largest brain of any animal on earth?
1: I read that. I read that. And it makes sense because they're so big, but Mm -hmm. it's bigger than a blue whales, which I think that's pretty interesting. And does a larger size have to do anything with them being a predator or just Mm -hmm. physiological adaptations? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's huge.
0: Right, right, right. And then just something to put out there too that – you know, these animals are listed as vulnerable. I mean, just a few months ago, we talked about the sperm whale that washed up on the beach in Italy, stomach full of plastic. It's, I mean, I was thinking about it. It, when you see some of that plastic floating in the, in the ocean, I could see how a whale could think that squid. Sure. You know, part of it's, it's, you know, diet. And so it just go and gobble it up. And the sperm whale washed up and it, it, just stomach was full of plastic. Yeah. You know, and it died.
1: And it's also important to take into consideration that, the sperm whale population used to be in the millions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And their numbers decri- declined dramatically due to hunting pressures, uh, as whale oil and blubber was a high commodity not too long ago. And a lot of those pressures have been released, so we don't have that. But their numbers went down, and they're slow to rebound.
0: Yeah. Very.
2: Yeah.
1: Their generational... and. Interval is slow, very, very slow. And so it takes a while for them to rebound. And as Chris mentioned, now there's all these other modern day pressures with plastic pollution, boat strikes, the oceans Mm -hmm. are very busy places, noise pollution, ocean pollution, Mm -hmm. and coupled with the fact that we still don't really know a ton about sperm whales. They live most of their lives in the deep, dark depths of the sea. Yeah. So we're, they're actually doing better than a lot of other whales considering, but we don't, we definitely don't know their exact numbers and they're listed as vulnerable because their population isn't stable and there's a lot of threats against them.
0: It is a sad story, Angie. It's, we're going to get more to it in, conservation but the good news is you know there is a lot of focus on the oceans lately so hopefully they benefit from them but i think one of the things we should do is kind of describe for the listeners more specifics about the sperm whale what it looks like i mean very unique for a whale
1: that's where i fell in love was looking watching videos of them and seeing their body shape and starting to understand the fact that they are a toothed whale and how that differs mm-hmm. from the blue whale or baleen filter feeder type whale. And mm-hmm. it, their whole design is completely different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they have this huge head. That's huge. about a third of their body in length. Like a third is a head. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. imagine if you, if your body, a third of your body was your head, it would be- <laughs> I would like that.
1: I, was, I think I would like that. It's, oh my that's God. why they have such big brains. <laughs> it's huge! It's
0: huge! And then they have these little stumpy dorsal fins. Yeah, those. cute. Small
1: pectoral fins. Yeah.
0: yeah. Body's wrinkled. I mean, I guess their blowhole is different. It's just a single, not a mm-hmm. double. They have
1: a yep. They have a single blowhole that mm-hmm. is S-shaped, and it's located towards the front of the head and shifted to the left. It's so, so bizarre. It that also has sense. so therefore it gives like a different type of spray. Mm-hmm. When they blow out of their blowhole, it has, like, a bushy angled spray compared to mm-hmm. other other typical whales. So, yeah, they're just very, very different. But I I think you just can't get over – I can't get over this, like, block-shaped, almost square or rectangle. Mm-hmm. I'm doing mm-hmm. shapes with Xander right now. So, he corrected yeah, me the other yes. day. I was like, blah, 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 this is a square. And he's like, mom – that's a rectangle. Get it together. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say yeah, get it yeah. together, but his tone was like, get it together. He, yeah, so. Right. Uh, right, But yeah, so very, very boxy, if you will, a re- rectangular with this this big head. And then the whale watchers say that they have this, yeah, this unusually wrinkly or prune-like skin, which mm-hmm. I guess whale watcher enthusiasts just love, which oh, okay. I, I can totally respect that. Yeah, yeah. And- What I couldn't get over, I guess, in a lot of the videos of watching them swim, was their narrow lower jaw. Yeah. It's just like this little trap door,
2: it it looks like.
1: And it's big, of course, and long, but it's very narrow. And Mm. it makes them almost cartoon-like in appearance because of this narrow...
0: I would say it's almost like a chopstick, you know, oh, perfect. one chopstick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Perfect analogy, yeah.
1: Chris. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so they're just darling. I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. know how you couldn't fall in love. And not that the blue, uh, not that the blue whale's not uh, awesome. Or the orcas, of course, are very majestic and have the color patterns to them. I think the sperm whales win just based on their physical shape. It's just so no, they're, different.
0: They're, they are <laughs> in a are, good, way, they in are, a good and, way. Oh, yeah. And this one, this blew me away about them. One of the largest sexually dimorphic species amongst whales, and almost, I would argue, other species. I mean, maybe saltwater crocs. I remember the males are so much bigger than the females, but very similar with them. Males can get up to 65 feet or 20 meters, weigh 45 tons. So they're That's- huge. Right. That's let's do just some simple six and a half stories tall, two school buses in length. Okay, there you go, and weighs forty five tons. And if so you're a
1: mom cold. like me, you know how long those school buses are when you have to ride behind them in traffic. <laughs> yes, all yes. morning to drop your kid off. <laughs> like, so yeah. yeah, two of those, two of those in length. Which two school buses is even more frustrating in the morning commute?
0: <laughs> right, right, right. That's a, that's a sperm whale, and but the yeah. females. I mean, they're still. Big, but up to 39 feet, 12 meters, and weigh 50, but only weigh 15 tons. So the males are bulky, like,
1: yes, <laughs> huge, yes. huge. Yes, I don't know if any breeding's been documented, but that seems a little, yeah, unfair.
0: Big. <laughs> big difference, yes, yes. <laughs> now, what's amazing about the sperm whales, too, they range in almost every ocean, yes, from Antarctica. Up to the Arctic Circle, they just don't go around the sea ice. I mean, that just they, you know, they're not one to bust through the ice and and swim. Now, with global warming, ice melt, they may start to range up there. It depends on where their, their food goes. Who knows? Who knows? But typically they don't. So they do go into the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. They tend to not go in the Red Sea or the Persian Gulf. But other than that, the whole the whole world is where they range.
1: Right, right. Which is why their numbers were probably historically before whaling mm-hmm. kicked in were so high and abundant because, yeah. yeah, their range is just, they're just basically their range is pelagic. Or, mm-hmm. am I saying that right? Yeah. I think so. Pelagic. Pelagic, yeah, pelagic. I think it's, yeah. But which should be, which means oceans. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they don't seem to, they don't seem to care. No, I
0: mean, they, but, they just go.
1: Well, and they're living so. Deep down, too, which is just so good
0: point. Good point. So, this is my next one talking about range. So, they dive really deep. You've said that. Okay. So, up to, to 2,250 meters or 7,300 feet. Now, I do have a question. Who would I, you probably don't, we haven't covered them, but the deepest diving whale is it a whale or is it something else we covered?
1: Was it an elephant deepest? seal?
0: Okay, cl- good. Okay, you remember elephant seal? That's what I was trying to get to. They're close. They go 7,000 feet, which blew me away. Like when we said yeah, that, I was like, insane. are you kidding? An elephant seal goes 7,000 feet deep. That is nuts for a seal. But the deepest dive is actually the Cuvier's beaked whale can go up to 9,800 feet. That so there's something nuts. on our radar. Yeah. They have yeah. What, I, on this slide, they have eight Empire State buildings. <laughs> like, that's almost two miles down, like crazy deep diving. But so, anyway, sperm whale seven thousand three hundred eighty-two feet. That's the record that they've measured them at. They might go deeper. We just don't know. You know. It's well, and it just really them.
1: got me thinking about the oceans because, of course, I've been in them and I've enjoyed them. I've been blessed enough to scuba dive and snorkel. Mm-hmm. But we're so, it's everything I have done intimately with the ocean has been very very superficial, very much on mm-hmm. the surface. Mm-hmm. There's this whole world
2: mm-hmm.
1: down deep. The ocean floor has mountain peaks higher than our tallest yeah, mountains. Everest. Yeah. yeah, Everest. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, we haven't explored there. It's just incredible. I no, mean, yeah. so you just think about that and then you think, whoa, geez, what we're doing is considering they found plastic down in those on a trench yeah they did Mm -hmm. the deepest trench on earth Yep. yeah but it is just this whole unknown world and the other thing about it is it's dark Mm -hmm. completely void of light Mm -hmm. so we'll talk about how sperm whales communicate with each other when they're doing these deep dives and look for food but it's alien it is is. otherworldly
0: it is it is
1: And just that alone, knowing that that's their habitat yeah. is just so cool. And I, I'm i just, yeah, I just love this week. I love yeah, sperm whale week. I'm I know, I know. No,
0: and it, it's it's good you talk about that because the next thing I want to talk about is kind of why I care. But, you know, talking about the oceans, ocean health, the amount of waste that's going in the oceans, a lot of whales washing up dead. And, and I made a note to say which by the way most whales don't wash up dead on beaches they actually they'll die in the ocean and then the sharks will come and eat them or other things will come and eat them or they sink mm-hmm. you know to the bottom mm-hmm. we don't see all the whales that die so right. there could actually be you know a lot more of them dying due to these plastics and things we just don't know we just right. don't know because we don't have right. the evidence so we really should be concerned about them i mean they're the one of the top ocean predators very critical to the food chain In our oceans. And, you know, I just think they're an amazing animal that I would cry if they went extinct. I would absolutely ball my eyes out. They're so amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. And not only would you be crying, but all the cascade of the food chain and the food web would be crying as well. Because these big, beautiful beasts are really critical to the ecosystem. They basically help regulate the flow of food. And They make sure that certain species of animals don't overpopulate the oceans, checks and balances, really important. And Chris, besides their role in the food chain and checks and balances, interestingly enough, their poop is super, super important. Okay. And I know you're, you're looking at me like, what, poop? She just You're like, oh, that Angie. She just likes to talk, talk about, about poop. poop. Poop, always, always. I do. Always, I do. Yeah. Poop is so cool. It can tell you so many things about an animal's physiological state. <laughs> it does. Their genetics. It's awesome. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but here it is. There's this whole cycle that happens when animals consume things, they digest the nutrients, and then – What their body doesn't use comes out as poop and that whale poop can basically help fertilize the ocean because what happens is the poop, basically the the nutrients, let's just think about it from a nutrient point of view, the poop or the nutrients in the poop sinks down below when they defecate. And so what researchers are starting to understand more about the cycle And we talk a lot about it in ecology with like the phosphorus cycle and the nitrogen cycle and all these important nutrients and how they basically move from soil to plant to animal back into the soil to air to rain, Mm -hmm. all this Mm -hmm. and that. It's actually similar in the ocean. And so studies have shown that nutrients in sperm whale poop help stimulate growth of phytoplankton. Mm -hmm. And then these phytoplankton actually pull carbon from the atmosphere, right, to provide a cleaner and healthier breathing environment for animals. So it's estimated that sperm whales alone—okay, so that doesn't include other whales that also mm-hmm. act as a fertilizer—the poop acts as a fertilizer. Mm-hmm. It's estimated that sperm whales, just sperm whales alone, can extract four hundred thousand tons of carbon. Wow. Each year. Wow. Okay. Okay. Carbons, ex- excess carbon in our atmospheres, carbon dioxide is obviously a problem. So we gonna need, save us? they're, they're basically like air filters. And, yes. but the term that I'm speaking up to if anybody, if anybody has interest in then they're like, Oh, she's bonkers. It's actually called the whale pump. So they, they, the term that they've coined is whale pump. And it's, yeah, it's basically just this circle of nutrients and an important part of the food web.
0: Food web. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. That's amazing. So yeah, poop I mean, is I awesome. know the other-
1: whale poop is awesome. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Uh, I'm like, how, I mean, and then I got thinking, I'm like, geez, because of course I shovel a lot of poo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, how big is their poo? Oh, and no. then they are carnivore and I'm like, oh, I bet their poo is stinky. Carnivore poo is oh, always stinkier just... than herbivore poo. So, But it's stinky because it has a lot of nutrients in it that nutrients. other animals use, right? Yeah, that the they, ocean they needs. Yeah. So if you're wondering why you should care about sperm whales besides their amazing mm-hmm. physiology and their body shape and the mm-hmm. stories have been written about them and that they're the largest toothed whale, dude, they're going to help save us. Right, period. right, right. Or exclamation, no. mark, exclamation mark.
0: No, the oceans are critical. I mean, they're critical for carbon sequestration. They're critical. They're absolutely critical. So it makes sense. And being scientists, you and I understand the nutrient cycle and, you know, all the... I'm actually teaching
1: practice. the nutrient cycle this oh, week are you? in class. Oh, so yeah. that's why I'm all hyped <laughs> up about it. this. Could be. Pr- I'm actually going to show this and they're all going to look awesome. at me like, Angie, You're when crazy. can we start talking about animal behavior? But I have to talk about I the know. ecosystem first because that... Helps yeah. define their behavior, right?
0: No. I mean it's like even, you know, on land mammals, their poop's important, you know, or, or any animal. Yeah. You know, it all gets used. Everything is a circle of life. You know, we use all these chemical elements to, to create food, stuff, whatnot. But anyways, yeah, that's fascinating. Why care? Because we care about their poop. Great. I'm gonna <laughs> save
1: the <laughs> whale to save the poop. <laughs> there we mm-hmm. go. Exactly. That's a good bumper now, sticker.
0: Right. So the sperm whale Let's get a little in their natural history. It's it's scientific name is Physespeter Macrocephalus. And so they're actually part of the phister steroidoi.
1: I can't say this word.
0: Physterido- you, get a,
1: you get an A for effort, buddy. <laughs> I, can do, I can do macrocephalus, Ode. big head. That's fine, but forget about the rest. Okay, super family. Fister
0: Ode. Super family. So what I'm trying to get at is there are actually two more sperm whales. There's the pygmy sperm whale. We've mentioned this, right, at some mm-hmm. point. They're Cogia breves- breveses. I'm, I'm just done with scientific words today. <laughs> Cogia breviceps. Then the dwarf sperm whale is so much easier. Cogia sima. So that's the dwarf sperm whale. So you have the large one, the big one. That's the one we think of. And then you have this pygmy one and the dwarf one. But mm-hmm. they're different genus. They're not part of the same genus, obviously. So not they're not subspecies of the larger species. They're actually totally separate species.
1: Totally. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're out there. Now, whale evolution, again, we've talked about this on other pods. It, it's going back to cetaceans related to the mesnochids, and this was a carnivorous ungulate which is the craziest animal I think I'll ever That's why Hoops. I
1: love these guys, I think. I know, it's like full too. circle for me. Ungulates, <laughs> um, cetaceans, they're all related. I love them all. It's,
0: yeah, this was a, it looked like a wolf with hooves. And you know so
1: Even better, I'm now in love with wolves even more. <laughs> with hooves.
0: <sighs> it's just oh my perfect. god. If you imagine going back in a time machine and seeing the animals that roam the earth, I think we would just die of fright. They're just, uh, ah, they're so I would love looking. it. I would love it. Yeah. Now that started about years
1: ago. Because I would be in the safety ago. of my time machine, right?
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but it's, this happened about 50 million years ago, subcontinent of India. And then it was about 30 million years ago where you get the toothed whales, which is the sperm whale, mm-hmm. and say the baleen whales, which is, say, the blue whale, they separated out. Okay, so that's about when that happened. Now, sperm whales specifically about 35 million years ago is when their ancestors, most whales too, but the the tooth whales, 35 million years ago is when whales really started to get big. Okay, so they were smaller trying to survive, then they got big and they were actually larger than blue and sperm whales supposedly. Wow. this is about when sperm whales started to evolve. These large predatory whales started to evolve. So about 23 million years ago is when their, their relative, closest relative kind of emerged out to today's sperm whale. Now, my question is, this one is crazy. And the picture I have of it is gnarly. So the largest predatory whale ever, okay, which I know you don't know, but it's, it was called Leviathan. Now, it was in length about the size of a sperm whale, you know, today, 50 feet, a little bit more than that head to tail, but weighed 50 tons. So, they were big.
2: The crazy thing Mm -hmm. is
0: their teeth, their teeth looks like great white shark. They have these huge, huge teeth that were 14 inches long. Yikes. So- it's the longest tooth of any predator now, minus tusks, which we know can can come from teeth. Mm-hmm. You're going back to narwhal, some of these other ones we've covered. But of any predator, 14 inches was their tooth, longest tooth ever.
1: As I say, like, T-Rex ever. is the size of a, of a banana, so that's only yes, about
0: bigger than dinosaurs. Nine inches, yeah. 14 inches. It, it had a mouth full of these teeth. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> it's, it's a sperm whale with a gnarly like put a put put a great white shark's teeth that are huge in a sperm whale's mouth. I mean, imagine that thing roaming the oceans. Oh my goodness. So they think this incredible. thing probably tangled with Megalodon. You know, okay. Megalodon was about 60 feet, 65 feet. So they probably messed with them, but they think it mainly ate seals, whales or dolphins. But I thought that was kind of funny. That's I found that thing. I was like, yeah, it was crazy looking now get a little bit, you know, more sperm whale physiology. I mean, they can live up to 70 years in the wild that's about what they estimate today. The one thing I focused on was that head. I mean, that head is just crazy. We this have big to rectangle. talk about
1: the box head. Yes.
0: Oh, so you have, so you have the spermaceti organ and the, and then what they call under it, which I think is pretty funny. It's called junk. Now. I
1: giggled too. I'm such a child. <laughs> Even now, as a scientist, it, you read some of these words and you just giggle. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, the, but the, the junk was like the oil-filled sack. That's mm-hmm. what they really it's went important. after. Yeah, junk so is important. They, that's the take-home <laughs> message. Yeah. yeah. Now, they think, trying to figure out what the purpose is of it, they think, what I read, the scientists think that, that junk actually helps them buoyancy. They go in these deep dives, so they think it might help there, or echolocation. So, you know, they don't know, but they do know that this spermaceti organ does help produce powerful echolocation clicks, which we heard, which you opened up with. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. Just when I looked at their physiology, I just focused straight on there. And I was like, wow, what does this thing do? And of course, science, well, we don't quite know, but we think this. Right. So there we go.
1: Well, what blew my mind is the fact that it can hold up to 1900 liters or a couple tons of the spermaceti. Okay. Okay. And the oil, the spermaceti, yeah. and basically the spermaceti is, yeah, this oil mixture of triglycerides and wax esters. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of the whalers were after. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. And Chris, this oily, waxy, gnarly substance is actually how the sperm whale got their name. So when the whalers, began finding this material, they assumed that it had some kind of reproductive function because mm-hmm. of, I guess, the consistency or color of it. And they the conclusion they jumped to as far as reproduction, that it was sperm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: hence the name sperm whale. And... So then I'm not sure if the spermaceti organ was probably there named after that, I I, I would imagine, right? Like, so yeah, uh, that's yeah. where the organ got the name. It's not like the sperm whale didn't get their name from the spermaceti organ that creates this waxy substance.
0: I mean, being a reproductive physiologist, I have no idea why the heck they would call that, <laughs> but it looks like sperm or something. Repro- well, and
1: then you think too, <laughs> it's in the head. It's not even near the tail. No, or the tail no. End. <laughs> But in the same know. instance, they probably knew that it wasn't sperm, and maybe they just yeah. were like, "Oh, it's like sperm." I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But the sperm whale's name stuck, and now, yep. of course, thanks to research and uh, biologists and things like that, yeah. we know now a little bit more—not not too much more than those whalers knew—but right. we we understand now, or at least have some hypothesis about why they need this much. Fluid, waxy, right. triglyceride-like substance in their, you know, in their it, head. It, I guess if it's got to be,
0: right? it's got to be something to help them dive deep and find. Like, I think the echolocation things help. Like, it, you know, how do fats. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back. I guess I didn't have time to look at it, but how fats can help sound waves. You know, because remember we talked about sound travels faster in water than mm-hmm. it does in the air, which blew my mind. Right. And so, but it takes an incredible amount of energy to produce a sound wave. Right. In Underwater, right? Yeah. So maybe this helps them because they are so deep. And maybe it has something to do with just the, the, the nature of deep water dives. I don't know. Right. I don't know. That's a, that's a rabbit hole. I got to go down one day. Yeah. When the next species we cover that dives deep, maybe I'll go down that no, rabbit No, it
1: hole. really is interesting. Uh, some researchers thought maybe it has to do with it being like a shock absorber, uh, to the brains. Um, cause males, I guess will headbutt sometimes during mating season, mm. but I think, yeah, vocalization, something to do with that, I think is the main running theory. But once again, we, we don't know why they have the spermaceti, this liquid wax, um mm-hmm. basically, uh, but it's pretty cool, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is that's obviously it is. very is. important, it right? It's just, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely doing something, or like you said, buoyancy or deep dives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. so much we don't know, and that's why I wouldn't if if all the sperm whales were gone and we never could really understand about why they have this organ and what it does. And then we're just we're just on the tip of the iceberg of understanding their vocalizations and that repertoire so and we'll talk about that here in a little bit but yeah it's just animals they're just so secretive and and they deserve a lot more of our attention that's for sure
2: hello everyone you may recognize me as gabby from
1: the history of everything podcast and my name is brenna and you don't recognize me from anything yet But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MKUltra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts.
0: Right. All right. I mean, just and some other credible physiology, right?
1: Well, yeah, Chris, you already talked about how deep they dive. But I think it's also important, too, that they can hold their breath during these dives for up to an hour, sometimes even up to 90 minutes between breaths.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. 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 It's it's nuts. That's crazy. And then,
1: of course, we've talked about deep divers before on the podcast, but a lot of physiological adaptations enable them to dive deep. And with the sperm whales, they have a flexible rib cage that allows their lungs to collapse. Uh, to help reduce nitrogen intake. And then they also have a metabolism that will obviously decrease big time to conserve oxygen in order to hold their breaths for that long. So yeah, and they basically surface and they might surface for a few minutes, maybe up to eight minutes, and then back down they go. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. So
1: just really incredible. And I just have to throw out there how big their heart is because now that I've been learning a little bit more about the cardiovascular system for one of my classes I teach, this is incredible. Their hearts are huge. There was one that was 256 pounds Whoa! (laughs) taken from a male that was 22 metric tons. So not that's even the biggest that has been recorded, yeah. right? Like not even close. Right. So right. Yeah, two hundred fifty-six
0: pounds. Oh my gosh! Just for the oh my hearts. gosh! Can you imagine? seeing? Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. So that's big. that is big.
1: That's very big. Yeah. 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 Um, that's incredible! Incredible physiology, yeah. obviously.
0: Yeah. 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 Just evolved, you know, to to survive in in the ocean and become one of the top predators out there. I mean. You know, talking about them being a predator, I mean they eat thousands of pounds of fish and squid in about a about a ton a day. A ton of food. How do you catch a ton of food? Three percent three
1: percent of their body weight.
0: Per day. I don't what know. What is that for me? I don't know. Is that what we what are we supposed to eat? Yeah, you're the nutrition nerd. Um, what, what's three percent? So that's six pounds, six, seven, eight pounds of food a day for me. Yeah, you shouldn't think, eat I that much. Eat we're going to be no, in big trouble. I don't. Hear me in big trouble. We're going <laughs> to kick you out of the state of California months. if that happens. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean that's insane. How do they catch that? How do you how do you catch that much fish in
1: the ocean or or squid? And Chris, talking about big things, we were just talking about their teeth. We've talked about their brains their hearts. The sperm whale, as a nutrition dork, this I love this the sperm whale has the longest intestinal system in the world, 300 meters in larger specimens. And I also knew I loved them because they are like ruminants in the fact that they have a four-chamber stomach. The first section of their stomach is to crush the food, right, since whales don't really Mm -hmm. chew, sperm whales don't really chew. And the second chamber is where the digestion takes place. And I think it's also important to note that they eat a lot of squid and squid have these hard beaks, which is like their Mm -hmm. mouths that they feed with. So sperm whales will either regurgitate these beaks because they're actually unable to digest them for the most part, or they just accumulate in this chamber. In fact, it was reported in one specimen, 18,000 beaks
0: what 18,000 yeah. peaks. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. I mean, that's if they're eating, e- if they're
1: eating, uh, 3% of their body weight a day in squid, and I guess,
0: Oh my goodness,
1: A lot. Uh, right. Uh, seven. To, um, okay.
0: Okay. So they're, okay. they they think that they
1: might be gobbling up anywhere from, you know, seven to 800 squid a day. If they're
2: a large, a
1: large sperm whale. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, or breeding female, you know, pregnant female or something Mm -hmm. like that. So they can add up really quickly. And so, yeah, just They really like
0: calamari. I get,
1: yeah, I can't say I blame them, right? (laughs) And then, then, but then how do they do this? Well, and researchers are starting to understand just a little bit of their secret world down in the dark about how they do this. A study published in 2010 suggests that female sperm whales might collaborate when hunting Humboldt squid. So there's some awesome predator collaborations. Uh, And like I said, they're still learning a lot more about that. And some tagging studies where they tag the sperm whales have shown that they hunt upside down during these deep dives, suggesting that maybe they're doing this in order to see the silhouette of the squid against the surface Mm -hmm. of the light. That might be a strategy. But the truth is, Chris, there's really a lot that we don't know.
0: We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But
1: what we do know is how they're doing this, right? They're basically in, in the dark, down deep, in the midnight mm-hmm. zone or twilight zone, whatever it's called, way, way, way down deep in the dark.
0: <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. Was that a uh, Octonauts reference? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got yeah. it. I got it. Octonauts. From today, actually. Okay. <laughs> the midnight yes, zone. Today. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or midnight. Yeah. <laughs> not twilight. Yeah. So- Dark, darkness, right? And so they they think they might maybe can see silhouettes of squid depending on how how shallow or deep they are. And so, Chris, in order to find these squid or fish or whatever they're hunting that day, they use echolocation. And we've talked about echolocation before with bats and dolphins and other whale species that we've covered. And so basically what it is, like a boat sonar, right? A ping goes out, sound wave. Bounces off an object and comes back, hopefully telling the animal the distance, perhaps the size of what it is in front of them. But I was really thinking about this, and I listened to a really cool podcast that got me thinking more about echolocation. All creatures where... podcast? <laughs> no, it wasn't actually. It was uh, shoot. It was some. It was one through NPR. Okay, okay, okay. but. It was all about animal intelligence. Yeah. And they had this fun, this fun, uh, it was like a fun game show, like which animal is the smartest. And yeah. they had all, it's everything from like slime mold to crows to the sperm whale is on there. And the woman was super convincing. And spoiler alert, surprisingly enough, the sperm whale didn't win. But the woman that was uh, talking about sperm whale was very, very convincing. And she was describing echolocation as like a sixth sense. That us humans, as smart as we are, as much crazy math we can do and physics and Mm -hmm. medicine Mm -hmm. and write novels and paint incredible, beautiful masterpieces or play classical music or whatever it is. This is something we cannot relate to at all. There's nothing like it. We cannot relate to it. And we can hear, smell, taste, Mm -hmm. see, touch. But this is totally different. It's like a physical feeling. And and you hear people throw around The Sixth Sense or there was even, I think, a movie, The Sixth Sense or something, right, about ghosts or something. Yeah, yeah. But it really is. It's this knowing what's ahead and then potentially having a feeling about that, right? Like, oh, that's that's giant. That's going to be the biggest squid I'm going to get today. I'm really hungry. Mm -hmm, Yay. mm -hmm. Or oh, that's my mom or my grandma, or that's a boat. Oh, no, boats make loud noises that hurt me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things like that. And researchers don't know. But with these animals, and as we're going to discuss more in behavior, you have to wonder what that's like to be able to send out a – an audio wave, get something back and learn and have knowledge about it right. without touching anything, looking at anything, smelling anything. So I do think, uh, her argument for it being a sixth sense that us humans can't understand was yeah. pretty phenomenal.
0: Oh yeah. And, I, absolutely. I mean, it just it-
1: you know, it's just, um, and the other thing too, it, it's really important as how they communicate with each other. And so I'm probably going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here right. because it's just incredible what researchers are finding about about sperm whale communication, or just kind of whale and dolphin communication in general. And so, poor sperm whales didn't really get a lot of attention for a while because, to most people, even whale whalers back in the day wrote, "Oh, those guys." They're noiseless. They they're noiseless marine a- animals. They don't make the beautiful songs that humpbacks do or oh, belugas. Okay. okay. And if anything, they're kind of annoying. They might make like a knocking or a hammering sound on our hall. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's not beautiful, or yeah. they're just, you yeah, know, they don't make any noises. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. What sperm whales do is use a lot of these clicking sounds, some for echolocation, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it just for communication in general. And they will make groans, whistles, chirps, pings, squeaks, yelps, and wheezes, but they're notoriously known for these clicks that I opened up with, Mm -hmm. which doesn't seem that impressive, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, I hope I didn't scare anybody off with that. They're like, oh, that's all sperm whales do is clickety-click-click-click Morse code. But the more researchers learn about it, the more fascinating it becomes, right? Because, because these noiseless marine mammals make the loudest sound of any animal on earth. These clicks can be up to 230 decibels. Wow. Okay. A hundred. Which, to put that- it in perspective, a hundred and fifty decibels will rupture your eardrum. Ooh. <laughs> And that can happen at about like having a large gunshot off next to right. your head. Right, right. So right. if you can put that in perspective. Okay. That's 150. They make noises at 230. Wow. Okay. Wow. And they make these clicks and creaks and buzzing sounds in their nasal passages, which is probably amplified through the uh, through the spermaceti, the fat, you know, the fatty waxy organ. And it would hurt a human to listen to it directly, but it helps them track squid and or each other up to one mile away. And a lot of that was just chalked off to that's how one of the ways it helps to find food, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's loud. Okay. We learn that that's a hunting thing, but researchers are taking a second look and really starting to decode those clicks that I played for you in the beginning of the pod. Mm -hmm. And what they're learning is it means different things. So the creaks that sound like a squeaky door might be for prey. Slow clicks can be made by large males, but no one really knows what they're, why they're doing it. Maybe it's (laughs) looking for a female or maybe they're just, You know, we don't know a lot about those big males, right? Chilling out, chilling Uh, out. Yeah, just Uh, slow. I mean, uh, he's big, he's got slow clicks. That's all he needs, you know, uh, uh. Uh, Mr. Sperm Whale. He's got it going on. And then there's this other really unique vocalization of clicks called the codas. And then what that is is a distinct pattern of clicks that's often heard when whales are socializing. So codas have become a new interest And marine biologists, especially ones that study Mm -hmm. sperm whales, not that there's that many of them, bless their hearts. I'll mention more about that towards the end of the podcast as my uh, conservation organization of the week. But these codas are really interesting, these different click patterns, because what researchers are finding out is that they use these specific codas, these whether it's click, click, pause, click, click, or whatever it is, Mm as a repertoire within their family group or pod. And it turns out these codas are like a dialect. So they're different from family group to family group. Even if they're in the same, if they're all even if they're all swimming around in let's just say the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Different families have different dialects. And so these vocal real- Oh, go ahead.
0: So that almost goes back to the orcas, right? And we had all these different Mm -hmm. types and different vocalizations, different, uh, you know, as you say, different family groups have different dialects. Do I dare say evidence of culture? I mean, again, one of the things of culture.
1: Chris, absolutely. There is no dare saying scream it from the top of the mountains or the top of the largest ocean mountain or... All the way up into outer space. Yeah. Absolutely. These sperm whales for sure have culture. In fact, we're going to put on our show notes and I'll talk about it more towards the end of the podcast. This amazing TEDx, uh, 15 minutes interview with, um, Shane Garrow, I'm probably saying mm-hmm. his name wrong, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. spent his whole life studying sperm whales. And that's all he talks about is the evidence of culture. And, in fact, a, stu- a recent study out of Animal Behavior, which is a, a peer-reviewed journal, s- had reported that not only do clans use different codas, right, dialects, hmm. but the authors also suggest that the codas differ slightly among individuals, which once again could be a unique identifier. Like, you're Chris. Okay. I'm right, Angie.
0: Right. right.
1: And crazy, some individuality yeah. to it. Yeah. So – I think once again, we're just at the beginning of trying to decode, pardon the pun or whatever, mm-hmm. these codas and learning about their culture and how important their culture is to them, because different clans of sperm whales are going to use different tactics to hunt, are going to and going to pass off those tactics to their offspring, generationally. And so as we talked about in orcas, if you lose one of those animals, it's incredibly devastating to the family mm-hmm. or clan. Mm-hmm. And so it really is – they're just fascinating, crazy, smart animals. I mean, I just – I, it's just incredible. And, and and we don't know a lot about them. We definitely don't know about them as much as we do as orcas or other uh, slightly more studied or charismatic uh whales and dolphins, but what they're learning is just basically blowing them out of the water, pardon the pun. Um again, I'm 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 on a roll with my puns, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And then they're making me funnier and smarter just talking about them. Uh and talking about this society, their family groups, it's really important to know, Chris, that sperm whales have a matriarchal lineage or what they call a matrial linear. I think I'm saying that wrong. Matrial linear, which basically goes from grandmothers to their daughters, to the calves. Breeding males are going to be by themselves, maybe sometimes form a bachelor pod, but in general, it's going to be these women Yay women to us power. That's why they're so smart, right? They know, they know the grandmother's got it going on, right? Listen to your grandmothers. Don't reinvent the wheel, right? Um, But yeah, so females and then their calves, which of course will include young males Mm -hmm. live together in groups and they exhibit a lot of cooperative behavior to protect and nurse their young and to look out for them. And because as a carnivore, as largest, predator in the ocean, they have to learn, the calves have to learn these skill sets, right? And so it takes them a while and they need that culture of, depending on where they live, they're going to have to hunt a little bit differently. They're going to have to dive a little bit differently. They're going to have to use different clicks, different uh, communication, things like Mm -hmm. that. And so their family is really important to them and they have documented uh, protective behavior where adults will basically protect the calves by encircling them Mm -hmm. and they can face inwards with their tails out. And that's called a marguerite formation named after a flower. And then the tails can basically, uh, and then the tails can basically act as like a weapon, right? To scare off. Basically it would probably be an orca. Right. Or they can face outwards for their heads out, and that's been, and that's been observed both in sperm whales and southern right whales as a way to protect their little ones that are in the center. And I know we haven't covered musk oxen, but I know they do. We will, know. we will, we mm-hmm.
0: will soon, mm-hmm. soon.
1: But Chris, what's really sad is that this behavior was actually exploited by whalers back in the day they knew think about this when we talk about intelligence and social intelligence and just Mm. if they injured one member Mm. of of the family or the clan that the other ones would come around
0: yeah yeah
1: and that was basically i think it was even documented somewhere in moby dick that that was a tactic that they used to get more of them uh, so their families are just very, 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 very important and they communicate to each other and it can take, so a calf can, I think it takes up to a couple years, three or till the calf is like three or four years old for it to learn its own, its clan's coda. Right. Like wow. it's call, it's okay. dialect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and is, then I guess I, there's evidence of it, like babbling, like our little yeah. kid trying to figure out how to do it right the right way until it finally finally gets it. So that's
0: cute. That's cute. Yeah,
1: that's cute. absolutely. Yeah. And just to talk to more about their, I guess, social intelligence and or emotional intelligence. I already talked about their sixth sense, but it's been documented that a sperm whale adopted a deformed dolphin. Yeah. Yeah. And basically the dolphin had been rejected by its own family Hmm. or own pod. And they, of course you can't anthropomorphize too much, but this was over in the Azores and it just started swimming with the sperm whales and they just let this dolphin swim with them. And it's actually, there's video of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they didn't, they didn't mind that he was or she was, had an S shaped back and, you know, enjoyed its company and didn't fight it off. Uh, and so, yeah, well, it's I not, mean, yeah, it's
0: not part of its diet. So it's like, Oh, cool. You know, hang out. Yeah. With us
1: I mean that they're, they're, they're these just, and like I said, you hate to, uh, uh, yeah, it just goes to show that there's a lot more going on than we know mm-hmm. or that we think we know. And my goodness gracious, I think it's, I think it's true. If we save sperm whales, we save ourselves,
0: right? right. If
1: we can be learned to be a little bit more kinder, if we can learn to be a little bit more, uh, helpful to the environment as far as, as far as our nutrient recycling or whatnot, you know, it's like, man, they're just, they're just amazing. Amazing.
0: <laughs> it makes me, when you talk about that, that little dolphin, uh, just the maternal behavior and how strong it is in so many animals and, and even us, you know, like, like, you know, your maternal behavior, you know, so I just, yeah. that's a cool story. That was a really cool story.
1: Yeah. Well, and this, this, you know, matrial, matriarchal uh, society that they live in mm-hmm. or matrial linear where, yeah. you know, the grandmother obviously is passing off the secrets to life to everyone. It is. It's just super interesting. Um, And probably because the males are so darn big. They're like, he can't swim around with us. No,
0: no. (laughs) But... I'm going to take a guess. You know, talking about male, female roles. They're not super dads, are they? Like, how does Repro go with these guys?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're super-sized dads. I'll give them that. Not Uh, true, not true. But no, they're not. Uh, They have a polygamous mating system, so... They're not monogamous with each other, mm-hmm. but they will during breeding season, they will uh, come together and with one or five large males in a mixed group of females of various ages. Of course, then there's competition with males um, to, you know, to breed with a female and sometimes they'll actually wear the battle scars from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, only the biggest and baddest bull will get to breed the female. And so Mm -hmm. it's, and he'll take on lots of females, if you will. But a lot of these rituals that we may know about some other whales, we just don't know too much about sperm whales and their breeding behavior as far as courtship. I always have fascination in that. But we, what we do know is that females become sexually mature around eight to 11 years. So it takes a long time and males become mature at 10 But just like all you boys out there, they don't actually become really mature (laughs) until they're about 25. I always, I always, uh, I always give advice about 30, like don't marry them unless they're three or older. Seriously. (laughs) Like to all my, some of my younger friends, but Mm -hmm. similar to sperm whales, they're not going to mate until they're 25 to seven years old because they just don't have high enough. Maturity, social standings, they're not strong enough, all of that. Mm. So, I mean, think about that though. Like a lot of calves don't make it due to either predation or our sad oceans, getting they get entangled mm. or ropes wrapped around their tails or just, just a lot of issues. So when they survive and they beat off that first, Few-year obstacle of staying alive, they still have to wait. Especially if they're male, they still have to wait a quarter of a century to oh pass wow. on their genetics. It's
0: a long a time. quarter of it's their a century. Long time.
1: So long time. But when a male is successful, uh, the gestation period for a female is going to be 14 to 16 months, and will give birth, live birth, of course, to a single calf. The calf is going to nurse up to two years. Uh, there has been some evidence of nursing longer if there is you know, as a nutritional issue or something like that, or a health issue. So the mothers obviously have a lot of input in the calf survival, not only on herself from a nutritional point mm-hmm, of view, of course, mm-hmm. but then the family or the clan, of course, will help protect them from predators. But yeah, a lot, a lot of dedication and teaching them how to hunt. Um, and so a female's reproductive cycle they they think occurs maybe every two to five years. So she's wow, not spitting, okay. she's not spitting out no. calves. No, no. And their mating season is typically in the spring, regardless if they're in the north or southern hemisphere. And so, respective of whatever hemisphere they're in, calves are usually born in the fall. And although the calf only is typically re- weaned around two years or so. The calf is cared for by the, of course, by the mom, but then also the grandma mm-hmm. and the family unit mm-hmm. for more than a decade.
0: Yeah. yeah, ten years. What? Yeah, it's a long time. It's a lot That's, of caretaking.
1: I mean, yeah, I've only been doing it for five. It's exhausting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got about thirteen more years with your first one before and, you, you know, keep back to college.
1: <laughs> I don't, and I'm not going up against like.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, against orcas
1: pollution and, and orcas and sonar and boats, noise pollution yeah. and plastic uh, and garbage, I climate know. change. I don't have. I mean, I, I mean, I that, those are going to start impacting me in some way, shape, or form. But yeah. in, in general, I'm not really fearful uh, of an orca at this point in yeah. time in my life. And I'm tired, so, so I think. <laughs> I think uh, sperm whale moms might be my new mother of the year because the year, that's yeah, just uh, incredible. But if you think about a, it, it takes yeah. a long time to teach them how to be a sperm whale. We don't even know necessarily what mm-hmm. that means. But passing along the culture right. and the hunting mm-hmm. techniques and all of that, it's, it's intense, man. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just a long time to come back. I mean, when we look at conservation – so while you're talking about all that and the the time, I'm sitting here thinking, man, we've really got to pay attention to them because you know we just thought they would be cool to do, and then we do the research, and then I mean I knew you know most of oceanic creatures are in trouble, but these ones are in trouble, Ange. They're they're vulnerable. But here's the population you said. In the 1800s, you get a global population of 1.1 million. Okay. Then you had the, the great whaling heyday of the eighteen hundreds, got reduced by about thirty percent. Okay, so you're talking seven, eight hundred thousand. Then through modern hunting, they were reduced to three hundred and sixty thousand in the nineteen nineties. Today, today they estimate above a hundred thousand well through IUCN.
1: And you say today, but the last today. estimate was in two thousand and eight.
0: Right. So that's 11 years ago. hundred thousand.
2: Was the estimate 11 years ago.
0: Is nothing, nothing in the world's oceans. That is nothing. Oh yeah. That is tiny. That is a tiny population of sperm whales left on earth. And they're seeing decline in certain areas. Mm -hmm. You know, they're dying in the Mediterranean, other places. So, yeah, this is a species we got to keep an eye on in in the news and and kind of keep focus on cuz I didn't realize they were that bad. I know blue whales were coming back up, which was good and we were like, man, they're they got a long way to go, but at least they were increasing. These ones are decreasing. I'm so, in love. I know. Good.
1: No, I am I so in love with them. And no. they're adorable blockheads and their little chopstick mouth like you no. mentioned and their crazy big <laughs> size. <laughs> And they're amazing maternal behaviors and they love their grandmas and they communicate yeah. in dialects.
0: But, but, you know, as we bring you down to our listeners, we're going to bring you back up because there is somebody fighting for them.
1: There is, Chris. And it does. It gives me so much hope. And I'm going to be able to share that hope with you and be able to share an amazing TEDx video with you that is just incredible. So, what I want you to check out. Go like on Facebook, like right now, unless you're driving. The Dominica Sperm Whale Project, okay, dedicated solely to sperm whales, not just whales in general, just sperm whales, okay? The Dominica Sperm Whale Project, they can be found at www.thespermwhaleproject.org or Search on Facebook at the Dominica Sperm Whale Project, and Chris and I will provide the links, of course, as we always do. And what this group does is they use innovation to study the world's largest tooth whale. And they do this the good old-fashioned way through thousands and thousands of observations on sperm whale families and populations of sperm whales, so the different families or clans throughout the Caribbean. So not too far from me. And what this has done is it's the first program that's followed sperm whale families across a multitude of years. And they've been able to follow calves from birth to weaning and then as they age. Nowhere in the world has a sperm whale population actually been well characterized until now. So this group is cutting edge, they are out there caring about sperm whales. They basically use, once again, behavior observations, my favorite, and some innovative technologies to learn about this apex predator, to learn about its social behavior, its vocal communication, and just their biology in general, uh, trying to figure out what's going on with them from a physiological point of view and what effects the health of the ocean is going to have on them. And They, of course, work with local governments to help get this done. And the founder, assistant professor Shane Garrow, has a TED Talk video that I'll put up in our show notes where he basically shares what he's learned after listening to them for thousands and thousands of hours, and it's all about whale culture. So it's a phenomenal video that you'll really enjoy to get super excited about sperm whales or maybe share with a friend uh, that doesn't have time to listen to a podcast and prefers like YouTube videos or prefers Ted talks. Like everybody loves Ted talks. So this might be one you could share and definitely check out the sperm or go like them on Facebook.
0: Amazing. I just liked them on Facebook. So thank you. Uh, again, conservation tip of the week. Easy. We need our oceans. So single use plastic, skip it. That's it. Skip, skip it. it. You don't need it. Yeah. You know, skip it. Nope. Nope. Now, what have we been waiting for. Oh, Moby yes. Dick. Is it based in truth? Okay. So here's the story of how this Herman Melville came up with this novel. So he was in Nantucket, which was a big whaling center in Massachusetts, where your husband's from. Yes, I've been to and Nantucket. He met mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Okay. It's so. He met the 60-year-old man that was like broken down, old guy, just sipping a beer, just down and out his whole life. He was only 30 years old when he was captaining the Essex. So he told the story to Herman Melville about the sperm whale that attacked his boat. So they were thousands of miles from land. This is in 1820. And they would harpoon whales and go on what they called sleigh rides, Nantucket sleigh rides. They'd harpoon, tie it to the boat, and go until the whale tired and died. Really That's horrible. So horrible. horrible. So, <laughs> the first mate was on the boat while they're on these sleigh and rides. And now,
1: knowing all about their like family noticed, and their culture,
0: oh, oh yeah. But this is the story when whales strike back. I mean, it's so so. The first mate spotted this big, massive whale. He said 85 feet. We know they don't get quite that big, but 60, 65 feet. So it must've been a large male. Not happy. Not happy that, you know, his friends, you know, girlfriends, babies are mm-hmm. being killed. So swam to the boat and rammed it. And so the first mate said, okay, get the pumps, get the pumps. They started leaking. So then the whale was just floundering, in the, you know, underneath, just angry, splashing, came back at the boat even faster. He said like six knots and rammed it again. And in the end, it ended up sinking the Essex. So the big boat got sank by a sperm whale. So yay, yeah. sperm whale. <laughs> so he told this story to Herman Melville, who came up with the story of Moby Dick.
1: And this the story about the Essex is true.
0: A true, true
1: story. In fact, I went, into, I went into a rabbit hole yeah. reading yeah. Uh, all about the, af- the aftermath of the survive there oh, were survivors that. yeah yeah a lot a fair of amount the of them and they were on yeah. the open ocean for a long time and they hit land yes. some, some died there's some cannibalism, cannibalism going, going on, on. They, yeah <laughs> they hit, hit land but then they said this land's no good so and then they kept going and at the end of yeah. the day i think like only 3 or maybe 6 yeah. actually survived mhm but they so. were like picking like who do we eat next if
0: yeah next. Yeah. So, anyways, it did. Uh, so, lead poor, to in that instance,
1: the, poor sperm whale, but also poor ship crew people. as
0: well. <laughs> Would want to be and that situation, but yeah. I will say, you know, uh, the whale that did attack it was not albino or white, because in right. Moby Dick, the whale is white, but there are albino sperm whales. They're very rare. Very, very rare. rare
1: has been documented though, but that was the right, in- ch- inspiration for Moby yeah. Dick.
0: For Moby Dick. Yep. I never knew that. That's
1: why this podcast is so incredible. Amazing. Yeah. I
0: know. Thank you for sharing that story. It's awesome. We're doing great. I love learning each week. I love covering a new species each week. Uh, Again, thank you to our Patreon listeners. We will be coming up with another species next month for you. We'll be doing conservation news here in a couple weeks. And thank you. Thank you for the support. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and just stay tuned to our podcast because we'll be having an amazing new species next week.
1: Yes. Thank you for listening. And hopefully you fell in love with sperm whales as much as we did.
0: Listen.
2: Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.